Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Paranormal Peeps podcast. We are super happy to have everybody back again. All two of you. Thanks for coming back. Absolutely. <laughs> There's at least three of us, so we can oh, okay. count us three. Okay. All three of you. Well, thank you for all coming back. <laughs> and uh, who do we have around this beautiful, wonderful wooden table tonight? I don't know. Guess. <laughs> the same three people that are here every time. Right? Uh, I'm Jamie. I'm Elisa. And I'm Josh. And we have a great uh, show topic lined up for you guys tonight. We had the wonderful time of investigating a local cement factory. Doesn't yes, that, we did. Doesn't that sound like a great place to go? Concrete. Yep. <laughs> a whole lot of concrete. A whole lot of concrete. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not just a concrete factory anymore. It's actually a haunted house. Called the Fear Factory. And its address is 666. No joking. It better be haunted if that's the address. Right? Right? It's like the spookiest address you could make. (laughs) I don't even know if I've ever come across an address that is 666. I don't think I ever have until the Fear Factory. Yeah, not until then. I think it's the only one that I'm aware of. Yeah. I'm sure there's more. Granted, I'm sure there's more, but that's not very common. No, it's really not. And of course, you know, obviously it's got some very negative connotations in in the Christian realm of, of numbers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why people tend to stay away from it. Also kind of like, you know, no, no 13th floor on hotels. Yeah. In most hotels, not all. Old hotels. It was yeah. the old ones. Yeah. Which which is funny, though, because there was actually a 13th floor. They just renamed it to 14. <laughs> like, that does anything. <laughs> it well, makes people feel better, I guess. I well, know. or it just makes you think, it just makes people think you can't count. <laughs> <laughs> 12, 14, 15. Yep, yeah, yep. That's how I counted. That's how I grew up counting. All right, so... Uh, we do, we want to give a, a special shout out to uh, Broken Wings Paranormal for inviting us along. Absolutely. Now we've done a we've done a handful of uh, collaboration investigations with this team, and yeah, always very fun and enjoyable for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to say thank you so much for that. Also, thank you for Grim Ghost Tours. Yes. The one interesting thing is Fear Factory is an exclusive place through Grim Ghost Tours. Yep. And so they will always come out and give you a nice tour of the place and give you some history. Yeah, always helpful. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is they like, it's not just history, but they tell you like what experiences people have had in that area, yeah. who they have found that haunts the area, you know, which makes it really a lot more fun when you investigate. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're not starting from scratch trying to figure it all out. And I think most importantly, they show you how to get around the locations. <laughs> yeah. And if you're like me, you still get lost, but you know. We did get lost. <laughs> we did. We got left. <laughs> we were walking up a thousand flights of, of mayhem and then down a thousand flights of mayhem. Yeah. And we got down to the bottom of the steps and like, where is everybody? Where did they go? <laughs> Which way do I go? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we just want to give a special thanks to Fear Factory. They had some staff on hand kind of running security, make sure that we were safe. It is in a little bit of a sketchy part of town. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of homeless people around. I mean, that's more of the area in Salt Lake with homeless people. But 
they keep the doors locked for you and unlock it when you come in and lock yeah. it back up. And then when we leave, they let us out, you know, so they, they take care of it. They make your, your trip safe. Yeah. Very appreciative. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We have uh, some special events coming up, don't we? We do. Yeah. October's approaching quick. Spooky month. It's, it's, yeah, it's approaching spooky quick. (laughs) (laughs) If I want to be honest. So we do, we have a couple public investigations that, uh, Cold Spot Paranormal Research is putting on, which is a surprise. A surprise. <laughs> We're two things. <laughs> <laughs> so our first one's going to be at uh, Petite Neat up in Payson. Uh, and that's going to be Saturday, October 15th from 7 p.m. to 12 p.m. So limited number of tickets are available, guys. We're only selling 10 tickets. Because this place, you can hear everything. It echoes. And yeah. so we want to keep this small. So we can give you the best quality experience. So everybody has a good time. Yeah, 100%. So it's it's a great location. Yeah. It's indoors. It's indoors, mm-hmm. which so, is perfect. And it's heated. Yes. Yep. Very well. Mm. <laughs> there are bathrooms. <laughs> that work great. That work wonderful. <laughs> And uh, if you guys haven't listened to our, our episode with our Petitney investigation, this was one of the original schools in Payson. Yeah. And then it... Uh, like, it's so original. It's so old that mm-hmm. it was named after Chief Petitney that lived in that area. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you guys haven't heard the episode, go back and listen to it. We get into some really good history of of the location. But it's... You know, it's three floors, and and it's just a lot of fun. It's, it is a museum now, so there's, you know, museum exhibits in there, but, you know, we've we had a lot of fun in there, and there's also a dirt floor basement that you get to go into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's nice about the museum is that there are other objects in there from different pioneers and stuff, and so you get spirits that are attached to those things absolutely and also some items from the donner party uh-huh yep. so yeah which we have gotten information from like we've gotten evps off of that so anyways it's a really fun place excited to do it and tell your friends and get a ticket while yeah. it getting's good yep and what's our other one we got going on so we have benson grist mill so that one's actually going to be not just a paranormal investigation. It's also going to be a costume contest. So put on your best costume and we're going to have a first, second and third prize. Of course, we will also be having hot cocoa. We'll have snacks. Uh, we'll have little candy bags for the end of the night that will be handed out. We will even be doing door prizes. Yes, we will. Yes, and which will all be explained, right? Yes. Uh, for those that buy a ticket, what are t- what's the ticket cost for this? Uh, ticket cost for uh, Benson Grist Mill will be $35. Okay, so $35 a person, but it's going to be loads of fun, guys. We're even going to have a vendor there. Laura is her name from Broken Wing Paranormal. Uh, so she makes all sorts of wonderful, like, necklaces all sorts of things out of stones and beads. And she's got some fabulous stuff, but she's going to be out there as a vendor. So, you know, bring your moolah because she's got some amazing stuff. Her work is 
out of this world. And everything's one of a kind. Yeah. And you can find her on Facebook, right? You sure can. Uh, it's uh, called Lavinia's Eden. So you can find her there. Uh, check out check out what she sells. She's got just a wide range of things. So And real quick, we didn't go over price for Benson Grissmill. Do we have a price on that yet? The, the Benson's- Not Benson Grissmill, but for Petit, Petit Neat. Neat. Sorry. Petit Neat's $25. Yes. Petit Neat will be $25. Benson Grissmill will be $35. Yes. Yes. Awesome. And you guys can find tickets on Eventbrite. Yes. Is where tickets will be uh, will be sold. Yes. And we got some really fun door prizes and stuff too. Yes, we do. So we're really excited about this. So yeah, get your good. costumes. Get your costumes ready, guys. It's I don't want to see you coming through that gate without a costume That's on. That's right. Got to have a costume. And a serial killer doesn't count. You can't just come in plain clothes and say I'm a serial killer. <laughs> exactly. We should also mention, though, that since it is also going to be a paranormal investigation after the costume contest and those things, that bring a change of clothes. There is a bathroom that you can change in. Because if you have a costume that's like got a long cape or whatever or wings wings or, or yeah. a, like a mask that, you know, might hinder your eyesight, um, you're going to want to change out of those things because there are stairs like in the big mail and such, and we we want everybody to be safe. Yeah, and it, this will be a rain or shine event. Yep. Just yeah. so you guys all know, uh, we will have uh, heaters uh, available if it's if it's cold. If it's unexpectedly cold. Yep. Which it hasn't been for the past few years, but yeah. <laughs> but just in case, we are prepared. Yep, we will be prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also bathrooms, and of course, all the locations are inside. Yes. So you just got to walk to get to them. Between buildings is all. But yeah, snacks, hot chocolate, all those good things. Well, you, really can't go, you really can't go wrong. Like nah. you got prizes, costumes, snacks, and ghosts. And a vendor. And a vendor. And a vendor. Yeah. And buy yourself some jewelry, some stone-wrapped jewelry. One of a kind. It's almost a paracon. Almost. <laughs> On a very it. small scale. <laughs> <laughs> it's a microcon. It's a microcon. <laughs> but yeah, definitely come out, uh, buy tickets, come out in and, and have some fun with us. hundred percent. Love to see you guys there. Absolutely. Onto the fun topic, huh? On the fear oh, factory. Onto the fear factory. So let's start with a little bit of history. So in 1492. <laughs> when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> All right, you too. <laughs> hey, good job. You are right. <laughs> oh, not that not that far back? No. Okay. Yeah, so before it was Fear Factory and it was a cement company. It was called the Portland Cement Company is what it was called. Okay. Or some people call it Portland Cement Works. Right. So what I found interesting is that I thought Portland Cement was the name of the company. Right. Which, in, in a way, it was, right? But it actually defines the type of cement that was produced. So it wasn't the name of the actual company. It was the type of cement. It was both, which oh. is interesting. In 1824, an Englishman by the name of Aspidid, that's really rough to say. That he was kid. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, he was a stonemason in Leeds. And he ended up burning limestone and clay together, then ground them into a powder, which he then mixed with sand and water, and it became exceedingly hard. 
and it resembled the stone that was found on the island of Portland in England. Huh. All right. And thus, the name Portland Cement was was founded. Gotcha. And so we fast forward to the great, you know, time of 1890. And that's when this actual uh, Portland Cement Company was, they built a plant in Salt Lake City. And for three years, they actually made normal cement before they started to kind of like experiment with the Portland cement. Right. The the one thing that's really important about making Portland cement is you need a special kiln. And so, what is a kiln? So a, a kiln is, you know, it's basically a uh, like a big room where you would fire clay and you'd make clay hard is usually what you do. So you take a clay pot, you put it inside a kiln and mm-hmm. it gets hot. And then it sets the clay into a more like a stone, right? Yeah. Yeah. But these kilns, uh, they end up having to actually use coal as their fuel. And they get to they get to up to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. Yeah. Which is actually hotter than it takes to melt steel. Yeah, that's a bit warm, I'd say. Right? That's like insanely hot. Mm-hmm. Which makes everything pretty dangerous. Highly. You know, because there is little room for mistake. Yeah. I'd say no room. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. There's just no room. But, you know, you need to get that hot. So instead of like making this clay into, you know, a hard pot, you end up making it into a powder. Okay. So that's kind of the process. What you have to do is you have to heat this stuff up to a super high degree, turn it into a powder, and then eventually you mix it with like gypsum and water, and that's what make, we end up making cement out of. Okay. And so that's kind of the process that they use there. You know, they were successful for, for many years. And in fact, they ended up selling the place in 1979 to another company called Lone Star. Uh, they were out of like, I think they were out of Delaware. And then, you know, the economic downtimes hit of the eight of the 1980s. We kind of went into that uh, Jimmy Carter recession. Yep. And they ended up closing the doors for good. And then shortly after that, they got hit with an $18.5 million lawsuit. So the uh, the kiln dust that's created from making cement, it's highly toxic. Hmm. Great. And they were dumping it in West Valley. Oh. <laughs> that explains a lot. Right. <laughs> Makes total sense now. <laughs> Makes total sense. <laughs> and so, yeah, they just kind of, they end up getting a, a big lawsuit and they were forced to clean up all wow. of the, the toxic dust. Well, I'm glad they did clean it up though. Yeah, me too. Cause that's just awful. Yeah. Yep. That's the history in a nutshell. That is really the history in a nutshell. It's kind of crazy. It's just a big giant cement factory, right? Mm-hmm. It did have a big fire at one point in time where everything burned down. Like completely burnt down or just like? There was a smokestack left. Wow. I guess that is a dang near completely. Well, when you get a fire at 3,000 degrees, it's going to take a lot down with it. It's one big giant kiln (laughs) for the whole building. (laughs) Yeah. And these kilns, you know, they they had to make these kilns huge. So these kilns are what we now call silos, right? They were 100 feet tall. That's crazy. Yeah. Massive. Massive kilns. So 
the, I would say, tragic thing about this place is that there were a lot of death and dismemberment and accidents that happened in this place. So do we have a number? What's a lot? At least 10 that are recorded. Yeah. Okay. Which. And they're not like easy deaths. I mean, these are like they're getting pulled into giant gears and they are slowly dying, right? Like they're watching their body slowly getting pulled in. They're like getting dislocated as their arm is shredding because it's getting pulled in. And then slowly their body gets pulled into the gears and they die. Like, I mean, that's a terrible death. That's a horror movie death. Let's yeah, face it. that is. And yeah. the thing is, is it's so loud and the walls are so insulated that nobody can hear him scream. Yeah. And they just slowly die. I mean, that's terrible. That is and it's awful. such a painful. Oh, it's thinking about it's painful. Yeah. I mean, Goosh. Seriously. Yeah, it is awful. And we have a, we have a few that we're going to highlight. All right. Um, so should we start with uh, Frank Holmes? Go for it. There's this area. Essentially, it's a coal crusher. It's, it's a big giant machine that crushes coal so that they can use it to to burn, right? This is a news article, actually, from his untimely, unfortunate demise. So it says, uh, let me read the headline because... I don't know. I think they got really good at making headlines. I know. I wish they do that now, but they don't. His headline is, his life was crushed out. And then it goes on to say, Frank Holmes torn nearly to pieces in revolving shaft. One of his arms cut off, leg and jaw broken, dies of his injuries. That's horrible. It's horrible. Does not sound very, very nice at all. Mm Mm-mm. It says, while engaged in oiling the machinery at the works of the Portland Cement Company yesterday afternoon, Frank Holmes was caught in a revolving shaft and mutilated so badly that he died early last evening. His left arm torn off, his right leg fractured, the bones of his jaw were broken. The accident accident occurred shortly after 2 o'clock. At the time, Holmes was employed as an oiler was busy about the crusher with his can. There is a large revolving shaft in that vicinity, and it is thought that he had been oiling that. He apparently leaned his arm on the shaft and got it caught in one of the flywheels. In a second, he was wound about the shaft and flying through the air at the speed that was almost enough to tear him to pieces. Oh, Oh my goodness. They get so detailed. They do. When was this article written again? I have no idea. I don't know. I have the article too, but it doesn't say when. Oh, okay. But you can tell, like, it's an old article. Yeah. It's very graphic. As soon as he was caught, Holmes screamed at the engineer, at the engineer, oh, sorry, and the engineer saw him drawn into the wheel. Immediately, he shut down the machinery, but it was some moments before the shaft could be brought to a standstill. When it did, Holmes was thrown to the floor beneath it and lay there in mangled and bleeding of... Bleeding piece of humanity. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) These are good writers. What? (laughs) Uh, Several of the workmen ran to Holmes, expecting to find him dead, but they soon discovered that he was breathing. Uh, Dr. A.S. Bauer and William Gleason were summoned immediately to attend to him. 
When the physicians arrived, they found that while being hurled around the shaft, Holmes' left arm had been torn from his body and had hung by some fragments of cloth. His right leg had been fractured above the knee and one side of his jaw had been crushed in. The victim almost died from the loss of blood before the doctors could get to him. He was unconscious and was removed to St. Mark's Hospital immediately. Holmes's leg was in such a condition that it was apparent to the physicians that it would have to be removed, but at the time an operation was impossible without fatal results. Accordingly, the wounds were dressed as best they could and an effort was made to revive the patient. He lived until early last evening when he passed away without having regained consciousness. Oh my. So he survived for a little bit. A, a, Rest of the day, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's, yeah, that's horrific. That's like farm accident. That's bad. Yeah. Like, there was this kid when, uh, growing up when I was in high school, he uh, he had both of his arm, arms ripped off from the, the rotating drives on the farm equipment. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. But for him, he got lucky. They got him flown out. His arms were attached and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's, it kind of shows the difference in, in like medical technology from, I'm guessing this was probably the f- probably 50s or 60s. Right. Is what I would guess in time frame mm-hmm. to, you know, the 90s. Like we got better with, with our stuff. Yeah. Although, unfortunately, no matter how good our medical treatments are, there's no way that we would have been able to save Mr. George Howe. No. He was actually working on that same piece of equipment, that blasted coal crusher. He was an obviously an employee of the company, had his left arm torn from his body by a revolving shaft yesterday afternoon, and the shock killed him. With a scream of agony, he sank down upon the coal tank and expired. No one witnessed the actual, the ghastly spectacle. And when Superintendent Blythe heard the scream, he ran with alarm into the room and found the lifeless and almost naked form of Howell, lying upon the coal bin with his severed arm close beside him. So Howell was engaged in running the coal crusher, and it was supposed that he had ascended a ladder to oil the machinery. So it's like the same job. It's the same job. And while he was doing so, his sleeve was caught by the shaft. Well, that sounds very vaguely familiar. Yep. Mm-hmm. And his body, so his body was removed by S.D. Evans undertaking parlors where they will remain until some of the rel- relatives can be located and heard from. Jeez. Yeah. He just got caught in the machine and before anything could happen, he died from the shock. And what was the next one? The next one uh, that I got. So I think I think this next one's probably it's got to be the worst of the three that I have, as if not you know having your arms ripped off is your body mangled body and... mangled bad enough right right. So remember we talked about how you have to heat all this stuff up to like three thousand degrees and all that stuff and and so there's this product that's that is created called potash and it's something that has to be collected and then added with water and all of this stuff. And it happens to be in one of the silos that's currently there, right? This this is man is boiled in hot water tank. Oh man. Which is Ouch. Awful. <laughs> like I'd rather have my arm ripped off and die of shock. At least that's quick, right? Well, yeah, I mean 
You'd hope so. Yeah. I guess not in all cases, but. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one says, plunges to painful death after losing losing way among the vats. Falling into a cauldron of boiling water at the Portland Cement Company's plant. Charles Whitner, age 30 years old, met his met with a horrible death. Whitner, who is from McAllister, Oklahoma, had been employed at the Portland Cement Company's plant for two weeks. Oh, he was a newbie. He was a newbie. He was unfamiliar with the arrangements of the big vats where potash deposits were collected and trying to find his way through the building. He lost his footing, sliding 20 feet down the side of the tank until he struck the boiling water. Oh, Oh. my word. Ouch. They discovered his hat near the vat. And so they aroused fears of the, his from his fellow workmen, and after a so, or after a short search, they found his body. Oh no! Gosh, that's awful. Yeah, there's there are so many. I I found all these different articles, and I I just want to read you the headlines of some of these articles of these terrible accidents that have happened. So we have violent f- fate of George Howe, um, employee of. The cement company killed in a shocking manner, caught in the shaft, and his arms are torn off from his body. And then we have, was ground to pieces, tramp meets horrible death in Rio Grande Western. Wait, did you say tramp? It says tramp. (laughs) That was a name, that's what they called homeless back then, Mm -hmm. I believe. Was stealing a ride, kept an interesting diary telling of his travels. And died. His life, another one, his life was crushed out, like what you had said. Uh, Stranger is killed. Passenger train strikes man whose name is supposed to be Frank Mitchell. Painter falls to his death. And brother had torn him from a live electric wire. Working on a steel roof, tumbled to ground, and skull was fractured. Why don't they talk like this now? Like, (laughs) like when I read obituaries, I want to know what happened. Thomas Williams fatally crushed. Dies at St. Mark's. Um, mangled by shaft, torn into pieces. All of these are different. Two friends, two true friends, firm until death. Accident at cement works. He narrowly escaped death. George Otten struck a match when there was a terrific cold dust explosion, was badly burned and taken to the hospital where he is now in the most critical condition. Like, just early morning blaze you know like they have all of these articles mm-hmm. now okay if if they have all these articles of and you know everybody at that time is reading the newspaper absolutely yeah. and you would not want to work there i don't know anybody who would want to work in a place where they have all of these like i mean these are horrific these aren't just like you fall to your death and you die or you know it's your arms are getting ripped off your body yep yeah. Your, your face is getting mangled. You're possibly going to burn to death. You know, like there's all these terrible things. Nowadays, that place would have been shut down so fast. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, shit. Like the guy who fell to his death, right? The guy who f- fell and was electrocuted, right? Uh-huh. He fell off that catwalk that we walked on. Yep. And, and if it- ever, if any of you have ever seen the catwalk, it's high. It's very high. It's really high. And it's hot up there. Yep. And that's and that's in the, you know, 
what was it, 90 some degrees out, which is pretty common for Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have the vats underneath us running. No. Which are running boiling water at 200 and some degrees or 4,500 degrees from the kiln or 3,000 degrees from the kiln. Oh, yeah. And heat rises. That's got to be so hot. It's going to be miserable up there. And there's and there were supposedly no guardrails up there. So just an open catwalk. Oh, that's too scary. Like I can barely do that with it caged in the way it is now. <laughs> yeah, there were some yeah. when we were doing our tour. There were some that struggled with going across the way. Yeah. And yeah, that it was really high. It's very high. Well, it's a hundred foot tall tower. So well, and yeah. it doesn't help that the floor that's underneath you is like this metal grate. Metal grate <laughs> that you can look straight down and see the floor below you, twenty feet below you. So that's that's a bit intimidating as well. And honestly, that metal grate feels flimsy to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. But it was just interesting to me that people continued to work there. For years. Yeah. And even knowing all of this that's going on, because everybody's getting notified. This isn't just a let's keep it hush hush. It's obvious. It's everywhere. That it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes you wonder if they have the mentality that some people have today, like it ain't going to happen to me. Yeah. Or it's like, I'm desperate. I Mm -hmm. need a job. I need the money. I Mm -hmm. need to support my family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to figure like they operated continually through the even the Great Depression. Yeah. Yeah. And so like. If there's no jobs to be had and you need a place to work, you're going to work you where go. you can. Steady work. Yeah. Coal mines have been notoriously dangerous to work in. Right. And yet, people were always working in those things. You know? Mm-hmm. There'd be mine explosions or collapses or, or whatnot, and people were still still working in there. I think people go where they where they have to in those, in those avenues. Two more deaths there. All right. One that we we can't collaborate on. And that's the the homeless man. Okay. So right outside the cement works or the fear factory now. There's a triple set of railroad tracks. Mhm. And they were used mainly for obviously, you know, transporting stuff in and out of Salt Lake City. One of the rails was actually used to bring in uh the materials from the quarry to actually make the cement. And so when Ghost Adventures went and investigated this location, they told a story. Now, it's nothing we can find an article on. We don't know when it happened, Mm-mm. right? So sometimes it's hard to find news articles when you, when you don't have a, a good way to find it. But it sounds pretty fantastical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So there's supposedly a man who was walking down the tracks there was a train coming and he decided to lay his head or his neck down across the rail. And have his hands behind his back. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. Which, why would you do that if you're going to? Well, I, I think in typical ghost adventure fashion, unfortunately, I, I kind of tend to think it's just for, to sensationalize it and to make it seem like something evil had come over this guy and made him do it. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, if you've ever put a penny on the tracks and seen what happens to a penny when a train mm-hmm. runs over it, yeah. imagine what it would happen if you put your neck on the tracks. Yeah, and it, and it pretty gruesome said it is his hat was still attached to his head as it rolled down, you know, and it just, yeah, 
I have. We couldn't find anything on it. Yeah, we looked. No, we looked. Th- can't find nothing. But when we were in Wyoming on our investigation, mm-hmm. there was another accident that happened right outside of Fear Factory. Oh, yep. Yeah, there was. And this one, there is a news article on. Yep. Mm-hmm. To to paraphrase the article is essentially is that these two people are out walking. A guy and, and a gal. A guy and a gal. And the arms come down. The lights turn on. The signals are blaring. Like, we all know what it sounds like to be at a train crossing, right? They decided to walk across the tracks anyway. Mm-hmm. So there was a Union Pacific train coming from one direction. So it was coming from, I don't know, let's just say to the, from the right. And that's what they were looking at. And as she went across the tracks, she forgot to look left. And we have a commuter train here called the Front Runner. It goes very fast down those tracks. It's going freeway speeds. Yeah, it's going 60 plus. And... She wasn't looking that direction, and four seconds later, she was hit by hit and killed by that train. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, very sad. Very sad. But it kind of shows that this area, there's still a lot of death associated to that one small block of yeah, because of the area, it's super close. So it's just sad, but that one we can validate. So the only one that like. The only thing that we could get with the last one, with the guy trying to commit suicide, the only one that we were kind of guessing, maybe this is where the story is coming from. And, you know, over time, stories get uh, glorified and Mm -hmm. changed and all of that just to make it sound more crazy. Um, There was a man who was drunk walking down the tracks. This is in one of the articles. And he was staggering. There's a couple of cement workers that saw him staggering down the tracks. They said it, it was common for people to be walking down those tracks. and But it looked like he was staggering. And um, when he saw the train coming, I guess he tried to step over the track and tripped and fell into the train. So... That's the only thing that I can get from that, but it doesn't have anything to do with suicide. doesn't have anything to do with laying his neck on the train track or like anything like that. So basically it was, it was somebody who was drunk. Yeah. It was an honest accident. Yeah. And somebody had to come in and make it fantastical and put the spin of evil on it Mm -hmm. to make it more entertaining. But it was right there next to Fear Factory. Right there next to it, the cement people saw it happen. Yeah. So it was very, very close. But, yeah. Gotta love it. I just, I hate when someone will take a story and instead of being truthful about it, they have to make it and warp it into something entirely different. But if anybody has information on that article, if Let that us know. article exists, if it's a real thing, like if you have proof on that, yeah, we want to see it. Like, we want to see it. We're all about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because it, it helps back up stories and claims that have been heard, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is like we were told 
these stories of Frank and George and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and and we found articles we found articles to back it up because that's the first thing I want to make sure of is that we have some proof and some evidence that this stuff actually occurred yeah you know it gives more clout to that to that article to yeah. that that piece so yeah so let's get like I said let's get into our investigation you know we started off in probably the place that I like the most inside the inside the factory. Same here. Oh, same. I think same. Yeah. I think we all wanted to be in that spot. We, for whatever reason, we all gravitated towards that area. We all had the same spot in mind. It's also the coolest place in the building, and not like cool as in like awesome, but cool as in temperature. Yes. It's not as hot as the rest of the building. Yes, and it's also the quietest spot. So, Fear Factory for all of you who aren't aware. Is located right next to the interstate. And it is loud. Yeah. It is not insulated very well in the catacombs and things like that. And so it is loud. You hear Everything. the cars going by, <laughs> the diesels, the honks. The front runners, the Union Pacifics. <laughs> it's, it gets pretty hard when you're trying to get EVPs and things like that mm-hmm. with it being that polluted. Yeah. With noise. Yeah, but the catacombs is probably the most quiet place that it is. In the, yeah, in the area, yeah, we is. didn't hear anything outside. No, and it's called the catacombs because that's what Fear Factory calls it. Yes, so it's just essentially you walk into where the 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 side tower is, kind of where the loading trucks came in, and you'd walk underground into this through a bunch of dreadlocks, <laughs> ropes hanging ropes down, smacking you in the face. <laughs> There's a lot of things that they have when you're walking through it that are hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a little irritating. But once you get a little, <laughs> once yeah. you get through that, we found the stairs at the end and decided to hang out on the stairs in the hallway right there and Which, investigating this hallway. At the end of this hallway, right there's this I don't know big demon creature dude in there now, but what used to be there was the coal crusher. So the infamous machine that took the lives of George and Frank used to be in this section. So this is the unfortunate areas of demise for George and Frank. Yeah. Yep. So we started um, at the bottom of the stairs and we did a dowsing rod session. And for me, dowsing rods don't always work very well for me. Um, I try very hard to be still and not move. And I don't want there to be any contamination with the, with the rods because for me, I don't, I feel like that could be easily manipulated. Sure can. And, and you can create your own stories if you want to with that. And I, that's not what I'm about. If they don't work, they don't work and I don't want to use them. And that's how it mostly is for me. And I'll just put them away. But this time they worked so well. I mean, I started the dowsing rod session, and when we were starting to get answers, they felt different. And it's it's a little hard to explain unless you've experienced it, um, but they kind of felt heavier, almost like they were being, a, like there's just a little bit of a pull on them. And when I, when I was using the dowsing rods, I have them... Uh, hanging down a little bit and to make it harder to manipulate, right? 
And um, they were, we were talking to Frank and to George, and they were just a swinging and yeah. answering all of our questions. And what we do is we have them cross the, cross the rods for yes or spread them apart for no. And they were instant. The answers that we were getting were instant. They were clear. And it was fun because when it was like, hey, is, is this person here? They're like, I don't know. And they're just like wiggling them back and forth, you know. We asked them where they were standing. And we'd be like, hey, George, where are you standing at? And the rods instantly went right to a certain spot. And then they'd go back to center. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, Frank, where are you standing at? And then they'd go. And it was it was funny. It was right next to where George was standing. So they were standing together and then they went center. And then Josh put his hand out where they said that they were standing and it was cold. Yeah. Yeah. Much colder than the actual room. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a ball. Yeah. It, yeah. it wasn't like a body shape. It was like a ball in the middle of the air. Yeah. Just hanging there. Yeah, and we all felt it. We all put our hands in there and we're like, holy cow, that's like cold. There was like, there wasn't a breeze. There wasn't anything like that. It was just cold. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the, I mean, like I said, we're in the back of this hallway. And like there's, when we were, there's a door at the top of the stairs, like an emergency exit. Mm-hmm. But there was no breeze. No. Blowing no. in there. Mm-mm. No. And what's cool is that what we like to do is... We like to make sure that it's not anything like that. And we checked. We checked to see if there was any breezes coming from any of the directions, and there wasn't. And we also put our hands outside of that cold spot. Yeah. And it was warm all around it. It it probably made the size of like what, like a volleyball? I'd say so. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, about that size of a cold spot. And anything outside it was warm. Everything mm-hmm. inside it was definitely colder. Yeah. I mean it wasn't even just a degree or two. It's it felt much colder in oh, that yeah. spot. Very noticeable. And so a little bit a few minutes after that, after that session, it changed. It totally changed. <laughs> Pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like Jamie felt like there was an entity or something behind her. Yeah, more towards the top of the stairs, but it was making its way down. Yeah, you could feel it. Hairs stood up on end. And it's like when somebody watches you and you feel that energy and you're just kind of like creeped out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the vibe that it was giving off. And then the rods stopped working. We were like, well, we asked is there somebody on the top of the stairs behind Jamie? And it was like a very weak yes. Mm-hmm. And then they just stopped. Yeah. They stopped working after that. Almost like it scared Frank and George away. Cause that was like, it was like a decent conversation that we were having. It wasn't yeah. like a creepy experience or anything like that. It was like a conversation you would have with anybody else you just met. And then all of a sudden this creeper comes down the stairs <laughs> And so Jamie feels like it's like coming further and further down the stairs. So Mm -hmm. I stand up and I'm facing it. Josh is facing it. And we're all like, what's going on? And Josh, what do you see on the top? Oh, I kept seeing like almost like the shadow, like moving kind of back and forth. Like, So at the top of the stairs, 
there's there's a coffin up there and there's a light shining on top of the coffin. And I don't know if it was coming from outside. I think probably coming from the outside. And it's kind of like blacking out. Like blocking off the light. Blocking off the light and unblocking the light. Like just kind of like, you know, moving in front of it. And I I mean, that's all I I could really see. You know, part of it was the coffin was kind of messing me up. Yeah. Because I'm looking up there and it's like, there is something standing there. Mm-hmm. And then I flipped on the light and I'm like, oh, it's a coffin. Well, yeah. that makes sense. It's a, it's a prop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're in a haunted house. So you're going to get all of this weird stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the sense that it was blocking out that light, that means something's moving. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. It, and it kept happening. It wasn't like um, a once and you're like, oh, did that really happen? I don't know. No, it, it happened a few times. Um, and then once... Like it started coming down the stairs and we called it out and that's like a great way to get rid of things like that is calling it out. And because I think bad spirits feed off of fear Mm -hmm. and when you call it out, you lose a lot of that fear and uh, it didn't like that. Well, and so for people who don't know. What do you mean by calling it out? Because some people would be like, you know, challenging it or, but so, yeah. so let's be clear on what she means by calling it so out. So calling it out is definitely not challenging it. It's, it's like, Hey, I know you're here. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I want you to leave and you're not welcome here. Or, um, I think in our case, you know, we, um, we're talking to it. And it was like, oh, that's not what I want. Nope. And it started backing out and left. And it happened in a matter of minutes. Yeah. Like, I would say like two minutes, two or three minutes that we were. I think by talking to it, making it aware that we were aware that it was there. Yeah. And I think it knew that we weren't scared. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, I'm not. Why waste my time? I'm Mm -hmm. leaving. And it did. It left. Yeah, and so I remember um, when I first started investigating because when I when I first started, I I started doing investigating and stuff and ghost hunting because I was I was terrified. I loved being able to be in a safe place and watch ghost stories and and read mystery books and stuff. So, like I thrived off of that stuff, but in reality, like actually going ghost hunting and having experiences because I had had it all my life. It was scary when you're alone. It was really scary. And so I was like, I am tired of being afraid of this because it would happen so frequently. I'm like, I'm tired of being afraid of this. So I'm going to learn what this is about because knowledge is power, right? 100%. So um, now it's like, oh, this happens and you call it out and you don't have that fear. It leaves. It, It doesn't linger like it does when you are afraid. Right. And it can feed off of that. And it just, so it left and it just kind of dwindled after that. We didn't get a lot of evidence. No, but we did. So when we were dealing with that negative entity, right? Mm -hmm. We heard. Oh, that's right. A noise down the hall. A noise noise down down the the hallway. Like a rustling sound. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then I called out uh, down the hall because, you know, we have other people there investigating uh, we had another team there investigating. So I just called out down the hallway 
hey, is there anybody down there? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, because if they would have responded back, then we know, oh, it's just it's just a human. Yeah. Down the hallway. Right. And we left a camera down there. Yeah. So so we had two cameras, and one was down there, and the other one was recording us. Right. Yep. And the camera that was down the hallway picked up an EVP in response. <laughs> and so it's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. We're gonna play it for you guys. If you have kids, plug their ears. There's someone down the hallway. Okay, can you guys make that out? It, it I can, but it was difficult. Yeah. But you can definitely loud? hear an EVP. Yeah. So I'll play it one more time and then we'll we'll kind of explain what they we think that it says. And we'll use the non-explicit words. <laughs> but you'll get the idea. There's someone down the hallway? so what it sounds like to us is who is this mother effer yeah yep male male and reportedly there was a a woman who likes to hang out down in the tunnels Mm -hmm. and so to have a male voice come through was a little shocking well yes and no well why no well, I mean, because wasn't George and Frank down in that area? Well, they were down by us. Right. But at one point, they they left. They left when that, uh, that Type 3 came. Yeah. That's true. Well, do you think... I mean, so so here's an interesting question, though, then. Is is their response... Is that is that male response in response to me saying, is there anybody down the hallway? Or... Is it in response to something else being well, in the hallway? And that's that was kind of my point. That's where I was kind of going with this is that type three was there. What if they were talking about the type three? They were talking about the type three. That's very possible. Yeah. Because yeah. it also fits. Yeah. It also fits you asking, is there anybody down there? Yeah. Yeah. So it fits both ways. So it could have been a whole different spirit altogether. Yeah. And had we heard that, we would have went down there. Absolutely. And started doing another EVP session. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't hear that until after listening to the recordings. Yeah. The audio. Yeah. But that is probably the most explicit thing I've ever caught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it was it was, it was was Steve that brought that to our attention. Yeah. Yeah, so. um, and we will be posting. So this is a video, actual mm-hmm. video, and so we'll be posting it uh, on our social media accounts so you guys can watch it. Yeah. So uh, thanks to Steve from Broken Wing Paranormal for putting that together for putting us, putting that together and editing it. That and was editing awesome. it. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job. Awesome job. So then we go down to the catacombs halfway down the hall, and we introduce ourselves. And right after we introduce ourselves, we hear three sounds, but we can't make it out. It's not super loud, but we can play it for you. I'm Josh. 
So it's like, so it's, it's something that you'll probably have to listen to with headphones, but it's, they're very faint, but it was for us, it was loud enough for us to hear. And we're like, wait, hold up. Cause that wasn't like a normal noise. Mm -mm. No. Um, so, and then I also felt like there was like a feather brushing up my arm and I felt it three separate times. And if you guys have ever been uh, touched by an entity before, it often feels like either spider webs, mm-hmm. um, feathers, something soft, um, airy or whatever. But it, for me at this point, it felt like feathers. Like if you're someone were to take a light feather and just lightly brush up my arm. Um, and like I had said, there are a lot of things that hang from the ceiling in certain parts. And this is one of those spots too. But I checked all around me and I didn't have anything hanging around me because those things drive me nuts. (laughs) And so I wasn't around anything hanging. And I, when you ghost hunt, you are holding still. You're not walking around. You're not moving. You pick a spot and you stay there. Yep. Um, so... I looked around, nothing wasn't above me. Um, and then I didn't feel anything after that. We really didn't have any experiences after that. It was just, it was really still. So after a few minutes, we decided to leave. And we went over to the hell silo. And this is the first time Jamie and I, so Jamie and I actually investigated Fear Factory a couple of years ago. Yeah. And we had wanted to go into hell silo. And this was shortly after the Ghost Adventures episode. Mm-hmm. And so at that point in time, Hell Silo was pretty open. It was like this big open room. Yeah. They and changed it. They changed it. Now it's like this mazy switchbacky thing. Like every other part of it. Yeah. And I actually didn't like it as much. I didn't. Like I liked it, at it better all. the way that it was before. Because mm-hmm. um, I actually have had in the past had some EVPs that I got out of there. Right. When it was opened up. But I felt really enclosed, I guess. And it didn't really feel. Well, for me, they took it and they turned it from something that was actually really neat. And they turned it like every other part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the traffic was really loud in there. Um, But we broke out the ovulus. And the ovulus is where you turn it on. I mean, it does multiple different things, but one of the things we like the most about it is that it has a dictionary in it and it will spit out words mm-hmm. or names or whatever. And the theory is is that spirits can manipulate it and spit out those words and names when we're asking questions and things like that. Um, and so we put that out. And then Jamie asked if it would tell us its name. And after about five seconds, I you get a response that says, no. Tell us your name.
okay, that was like 15 seconds, 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but at the very end, you hear a male no. Um, and for most investigations, it is super rare to get a name. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really rare to get a name. I don't know why that is. I don't know if they just don't like to give out names. Right. Uh, or if they can't, or I, I don't know what the deal is, but it is very difficult. I would say 99.9% of the time, I'm going to get a no. Which is funny, too, because right? we've gotten full sentences oh, in yeah. EVP. But it's like, what's your name? No. Yeah. Yeah, which makes it very interesting. I would like to get that figured out on why. <laughs> right. So after that, we left again because it got really dull for a while and the traffic was so loud. It was awful. Well, <laughs> it was funny because like at one point in time, I kept thinking I heard a noise, right? Because we, we went all the way to the end of the hell silo, which is essentially right next to an open, like a corrugated gro- uh, overhead door. And I kept feeling we were hearing a noise yeah, um, on the other side of the wall. So I wouldn't walk to go back to the, to f- hear, you know, to see what was going on. And it took me, you know, a couple minutes to walk to get to the <laughs> other side of the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Which we weren't very far from. No, we were not. And what's funny too, because we were sitting there and we, after we decided to leave, we all met up at that spot. And I looked over, and there's our camera we left at the beginning <laughs> of the hell silo. Just right over there. It's right there. Yeah. So after that, we left out of there because we weren't getting anything, really. And it just, it was seriously so loud. And as an investigator, when it's that loud. There's no point. There really isn't. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not fun. Um, so then we went over to the swamp hell silo. So supposedly there's elementals that hang out there and elementals are entities that manipulate air, water, fire, earth kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And and our theory kind of behind those, that those are demonic entities that just play with those elements essentially is what, yes. is what we believe they are. Other people believe that they're a they're different separate. class of entity. Yeah. Um. And so we brought out the flux, and the flux is um, we, a little toy. <laughs> it's like a pyramid. It looks like a pyramid, and it has a light on the top that one is green and one is orange or orange red. Mm-hmm. And so we use that to ask yes or no questions, and it'll light up and it'll beep and and things like that. Um, so we got out the flux, and I brought out a, a ping pong ball because I wanted to see because they're really light and easy to move. So. And I have had it move once, so I've wanted to experience that ever since. And so every time I'll try to bring that out. Um, I got that out, and um, then it started to rain. So not only are we hearing the cars. You're hearing the rain. We're hearing the rain pounding on metal. metal. (laughs) Yeah, The the top of these silos are corrugated steel. Yeah. So that adds to the loudness of our experience so i took a few pictures and over above us a little bit because in the past i have had an experience where i saw um a shadow around the top part of the silo and like it was like running around in a circle almost 
And because it would block out the lights around the roof of the silo and I would see it dart back and forth and it was really fast. And so I wanted to see if I could capture anything like that again. And because this one I saw visually. So I wanted to see if I could capture something like that. And I got an image. Well, I did it above Josh's head. And you see Josh's head in one picture and you do multiple. So it's not, uh, if you see, if you catch something, you can either debunk it, seeing that, oh, okay, well, it's in another photo and this is really what it is. Or it's like, oh. It's only in this one. It's only in this one photo. Why why is it only in this one photo? And uh, so then I take, I took the first picture and I see that there is a fog over the top of Josh's head. And then almost like what a bug looks like when it moves uh, past really fast. It's like this little streak. Mm -hmm. And, but this was far enough away that this was no bug because if it was a bug, it would have been way small. I mean, this thing had to have been the size of my hand open, you know, going across. I mean, it was pretty big. I would say it would be about six or seven inches. And we would have seen it, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I had the- have heard that thing flying by. Yeah, it was big. And like I had flashes going and we would have seen it, but there wasn't anything there. Like there wasn't. Um, so a lot of the time when we see something like that, um, we consider after debunking it, um, not dust. It's way too big to be dust, way too big to be a bug. Um, we'll, tr- we'll consider it as an orb. And when it's streaking across, meaning it's moving, Right. So I took another picture and there wasn't any cloud above his head. There was no fog. There was no bug. I mean, I took pictures all night over or while we were in that room all around and there was no other sign of any other thing flying in the air or anything like that. But right. And if it had been dust, you would have picked up more. That would have been oh, a heck yeah. of a dust bunny right there. Right? right? It was huge. Attack of the killer dustbin. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I can explain the fog though. I, I was thinking, and so it just caused a bunch of steam to come off my head and create a <laughs> off, mist off your bald head. Yeah. That 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 would mean there would have to be activity going on in your head. <laughs> so your neurons saying. firing something for that to happen, and we all know that that's not possible. Look, it happens once a year. <laughs> well, that was your once a year, I guess. I know. <laughs> yeah, so we so we had those pictures come through and you know it it felt really still in that area. Yeah. And that's how it was in all of the silos. We didn't get a whole lot, and I don't know if it's just because everything was just so loud, it was hard to focus on how we were feeling and the energy or anything like that. But it really, normally when it's like thundering and it's raining, that gets us excited because that creates more energy in the air, which creates, uh, gives the spirits uh, energy to manipulate themselves or things or appear or, you know, and so. I think, I think part of it honestly was the silos were hot. Yeah. And it was uncomfortable at times. And 
you know, it's, it's hot and now it's raining. Now it's humid. And so now we get heat and humidity. Mm-hmm. Which could also be the fog. Yeah, I was just going to say very, that. It's very possible. So, which is a total, like, realistic idea. Yeah. And which is what we like to do is, like, it's okay to debunk your own stuff. Like, it's totally fine. I would rather have it be more obvious that that's what it was. Like, that still does not explain that orb that we saw. No, and I think the tough thing about that, though, is that if it was human enough to create that type of fog, it it should have shown up in multiple photographs. Right, and it didn't. It was gone. Yeah. So, it's true. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. But maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So, then we head over to Clown Town. And it's another little room, area full of clowns, clown faces, scary faces. And it's in the second or first silo. It's the, it's the silo closest to the gate is yeah. where it's located. Yeah. So we set out the K2 and the Flux, our recorders. Um, we start a dowsing rod session because we were told that there was a spirit there that likes to hang out named Anna. And when I had said that, Jamie was like, oh, I heard the name in my head, Lana. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, which... It can happen where you get very close names. Yeah. And a spirit can say, I actually like this one over this one, or this is actually what it is and not this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the rods, we asked um, if her name was Lana, and they went yes like three times over. Like, like yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And like a very excited because mm-hmm. you can generally feel the energy. Or tell the energy from the rods. Like, if they're moving fast, it's because they're excited. Or it's like, that is totally the answer. And I've been waiting for you to, like... Finally! Somebody can verify. Yeah. You know? And that's what it felt like. And then... um, And then we asked if there was a dark spirit around. And the ovulist said, dark am I. Yeah. And three words. Yeah. Dark am I. And um, Josh started asking it to change the lights on the K2. And you got it up or the spirits got it up to the third light. And you had done it multiple times. Yeah. And you had done a K2 sweep and you didn't get anything on the K2 sweep. No, there's no residual. There's no EMF in those in those buildings. There's no like running electricity when we were there. Yeah. So then we go over to the vampire room, and that one, that room has changed too. I know. So I wish they kept it the same. But um, so you started off with the portal. Yeah, we did. We did break out the. Yeah. And the vampire room section, the importance, I guess, to understand about that area is that's directly underneath that catwalk. So where that guy fell and was electrocuted, yeah, we were underneath that area, yeah, and we're also underneath the air by the area where the guy boiled to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the porthole, what it is, it's basically like a a large spirit box, um, but you can change like the reverb on it and make it not 
hear the you know yeah and you can change it so what you really only hear are the words spitting out um and sometimes they're really quick and you can hear the difference between males and females and all of that it's really cool um anyway so we popped that out and the word or the name johnny came through yeah and what was interesting is back in clown town that name came through in the ovulus but oh, some, it did. It I'm did. Trying. And the thing is, is sometimes the ovulus, and with, I think, any piece of equipment, you can't trust it 100%. No. No. And sometimes the ovulus, when you turn it on, it spits out a few words or whatever. Or um, if there's a lot of vibration, sometimes it will throw out a word. And so you can't always trust it 100%. And so sometimes when it's just like a random thing that just pops through, you kind of just let it go. You dismiss it. You dismiss it. Yeah. Unless it's uh, very on with what you are asking or talking about, do you try to validate that? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting that it came through in the room just previously and then again in the vampire room um, on two different pieces of equipment. And then we did hear like a few swear words and get out and shut up and yeah, very negative stuff. Like, but here's the thing about the swear words though. The important thing to understand about the swear words is that we are listening. So when you're using the portal or an SB seven spirit box, right? You are scanning FCC regulated radio radio stations. stations, which means cuss words. They don't. Like they don't exist on those. No, uh-uh. no one's going to risk a ten thousand dollar fine from the FCC for saying the f word. Yeah. So if you get that coming through on these devices, it's not someone on the radio. Yeah, and the thing is, is we were getting it one after the other, after mm-hmm. the other, after the other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so, um, and then it just kind of stopped, and then we didn't get anything after that. And again, we leave because we're like, it's blank again. And it seems like that was the theme of the night in all of these silos and these different rooms, except for the catacombs. So all the other places that we were experiencing these things in were brief moments. And then nothing. It was like a surge of things that happened Mm -hmm. and then nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was like you could take a nap. It was... Nothing. Actually, yeah. I almost did fall asleep in the vampire room. <laughs> home well, sweet home, huh? Right? Well, we're just sitting down there, relaxing. There's a coffin open. He decided yeah. to lay down, take a nap. I don't remember what I was sitting on, but I was sitting on something comfortable. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> just sitting there, and you're like, oh, okay, this is still and quiet. It's Maybe like, it was that one-eyed raccoon. It, <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> and it's warm, and so, Yeah. Little cockroaches running around. Oh, yep. there were lots of those. I'll oh, tell you what. It was nasty. So we decide, we made it a group decision. Okay. We got the most stuff in the catacombs mm-hmm. and we really enjoyed the catacombs. Let's go back. Let's, let's end the night there. Let's end the night there. Let's see if we get anything because it started great. Let's see if we can end it good. Yep. Which this happens when you ghost hunt. It happens where you go and it is a pretty dull night. It can, it does. And it can get pretty boring after a while. Oh, yeah. But one thing I do know is 
how we always say your body is your best tool. Use it. Don't waste your time in it in a place that you're not filling anything at because that's exactly what you'll be doing. You'll be wasting yeah. your time. And so unless you want to leave like a recorder in the room, which I do suggest at times is, you know, leave a recorder in the room because sometimes they just don't want you there. So they're not going to respond while you're there. But when you leave and you leave a recorder, you'll, you can get EVPs still. Um, so yeah, so we leave and we go to the catacombs. We go back over to the catacombs and we started the Estes method, which is kind of like one of our things that we've been enjoying the most lately. Oh yeah. And, um, we started talking to Frank about how he died and, and he said it was false information that it, basically like he was pushed or something um and asked george if his death was an accident and he said yes and asked him if they missed their families and they said yes and do you visit them yes and um i meanwhile i'm i've got the noise canceling headphones on and this time for some reason it was so loud. I mean, do you guys remember how loud it was? It was so loud I that could you hear guys it. could hear it. Yeah, we could hear it. Yeah, we could hear it. And I'm like yelling, can you hear that? <laughs> so loud. <laughs> we're like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I can't hear them, right? And then um, it was getting to the end of the night. We really didn't have a whole lot of time to spend at the catacombs for the second time. And um, so they said, Jamie and Josh, they're like, can you tell us goodbye? And then we got, take me, I'm ready. So that for us is like, they want to go with us. And we're like, mm, you can't. no, you can't do that. That's one thing we don't allow. We do not allow you to come home with us. No. You have to stay where you're at. Yeah. Um, and so you guys said, we're going to start packing up. And then I got sad. Go on. And then Josh randomly. <laughs> well, it was getting. So when you investigate, right, and you ask questions, you eventually get to this point where you run out of questions. And you're like, what in the world do I ask? You just yeah. throw and it random. happens a lot. And yeah. sometimes you repeat yourself in your questions and whatever. Oh, yeah. So here comes Josh. Como estas bien? <laughs> and what do I get instantly? Como estas? <laughs> so I would like to say that one, my Spanish is super limited <laughs> to how are you? And I love to, I, will, I want Taco Bell. <laughs> so this is the limitations of my Spanish. <laughs> and then Jamie goes, que pasa? And I go, me grande. <laughs> like, what? I don't even know what's going on at this point. I don't even know. I'm serious. I say that and I'm like, She's me confused. Grande? What? <laughs> and then Jamie goes, adios. And I say, come again. <laughs> yeah, she has no idea what's going on. Because remember, she's got these noise-canceling headphones on and she's listening to the SB7 you know, surf through these different channels and mm -hmm. we're, Josh and I are just throwing stuff out there. So when she starts getting these 
you know, Hispanic responses, she's like, what is going on? Yeah, and I decided to go, because we did have the entity that came from the top of the stairs, I decided to go to the top of the stairs. Mm -hmm. So I'm at the top of the stairs. They're at the bottom of the stairs. And I'm also hearing the so loud. Oh, my gosh. I was dying because it was so stinking loud. (laughs) So anyways, it it was pretty funny it yes. ended the night really funny yeah. it ended it fun <laughs> yeah. and i'm glad we ended there me too i think the the coolest part though is we've done the estes method four times five times well we've, d- we've done it many times but the last the last four times three or, three or four, four has been great solid yeah yeah but what's interesting is all the times we've done this right we've never had any spanish words come through no and Never. I mean, and while we do have Spanish stations in Salt Lake County and in Utah County, right? We have them in Utah. There's not enough of them combined together to make these words randomly show up. And at the perfect time. Yeah. Because when you're asking these questions, these radio, I have them flipping backwards, the radio stations going backwards. And going really fast. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a hundred millisecond sweep, which means mine's, each- yeah, mine's actually faster than that when I do it. So it's to give you an example, every ch sound is a station. Yeah. So it's going, it's yeah. going that fast. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for it, and sometimes a little bit faster, and for it to be going that fast, how do you catch perfectly? Well, exactly. And if if you're if you're sweeping at 100 milliseconds, it means it it every 100 milliseconds it switches the station, which is one tenth of a second. And so it's a, I mean that's it's fast, you know, tiny amounts. Yeah, you get it, 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 that's essentially what it would sound like. Yeah, and there's not enough time for a voice to come through. So meaning really. it's having to come over multiple, yeah, multiple stations. sweeps. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, ended up pretty interesting. It, it was, did. It was pretty fun. Yeah. It was a decent night. It was a decent night. It got pretty boring in the middle. Oh, yeah. It did. <laughs> it did. But, but that happens. It does. And, you know, the thing is, is I think we would have stayed in the catacombs the whole night. hmm You know, but we wanted to go investigate the rest of the building. Yeah. Because you never know what you're going to get. Right. Well, and, too, what we forgot is that we heard a bang in when we were in the catacombs the first time we felt the bang yeah so what happened was is um when jamie started feeling like there was something behind her and i stood up um we were kind of confronting it for a little bit and i kind of stood there for a little while i i wasn't moving i'm at the very bottom step i'm not moving these stairs are metal right Mm -hmm. and josh is over grabbing the camera so he's going towards the opposite direction that I was facing. And all of a sudden, and Jamie's sitting there on the stair. She's not moving. Mm-mm. All of a sudden, at the bottom of the stair, it goes boom. boom. You felt it? Yeah. You yeah. felt it. You heard it. It was very distinct. Yeah. And we're like, holy crap. And so we'll play that for you. Oh, there, right? Yeah. What was that? I don't know. Something just hit really hard. 
But yeah, no, it was it was nuts because I mean you I heard it and I thought someone kicked the stairs. Yeah, but yeah. Elisa was standing up and I was just sitting there. Yeah, and it from what it sounded like it came from under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Which you know Well, from what it felt like too, because you could feel it. Yeah. But those stairs are open underneath. They are. Except that the fact that they're blocked off. Mm-hmm. So there's no way for any of us to get in there and get underneath the stairs. Yeah. Yep. Which is actually pretty neat. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, I mean, the catacombs have, for whatever reason, seem to be super active for that us. That just was the place to be that yeah. night. Yeah. And it was, I mean, and that was a lot of fun. Like the first time we were there, uh, we, re- we ended the night in the catacombs, if you remember. Yeah, that was the very last spot we went. And we heard something from down the hallway. We did. We did. And the thing that... But it sounded... It wasn't... It wasn't like somebody talking or saying something. It was like something was like crawling along the floor. Yeah. Scraping on the concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Like something was moving across the floor. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. And that was... And that kind of freaked us out. And I was I was super hopeful that because we had a camera set up and a digital set up that night. We got nothing. And we got no, it picked up on nothing. And it's like, oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get nothing. No. Although I will say this though, the first time we were there, we had probably the funniest dowsing rod session. And it was in uh the area was past the vampire room. Mm-hmm. It was probably similar to where we were uh this last time with the the portal session and there was, it was set up as like this dining room kind of motif, right? And there's a big table in the middle and, and stuff all and over. a hutch and yeah. Yeah. And we were doing a dowser round session there and we we're like, are you attached to anything in this room? And it's like, yes. So I was like, okay, point to what you're attached to. Right. Cause I'm thinking, I don't know, there's some kind of crazy artifact or something in there. Right. And I get spun around behind me <laughs> And there is this foam leg. <laughs> From the knee down. From the knee down. And It's a prop. It, yeah, it's a prop. And it's like pointing at that. I'm like, is this what you're attached to? It's like, yes. I'm like. Are you lying? Are you, are, yeah. Are you lying? Yes. yes. You just like messing with people? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you do. And that's what's fun about like doing dowsing rod sessions and, and stuff like that is. You do get the funny ones. I mean, there are so many different type of people. And so, which means there are so many different types of entities. Uh Yeah. And they're not all creepy. No. They're not all mean. Nope. Some of them are just like you and I. Some of them are super funny. Some of them are sad. Some of them are just happy to be there. Some of them are angry. You know, you do get like such a wide variety. They're not all Super scary. Yeah. And you get those pranksters. Yeah. And this is the one we came up with. It was a prankster. And it was like, yeah. it, it was neat. And and that's where it's always challenging too. Cause right. Cause you're getting these answers. And you're like, do I trust that? <laughs> yeah. Do I trust this answer anymore? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember the, probably one of the funniest things that ended up happening is when we were on an, an investigation, uh, we were doing a uh, a spirit box session and we're asking all these questions and getting all these crazy responses right and then we stopped and we get this 
voice that comes through through it says, I lied. <laughs> you're like, at least oh. you're being honest. Right? And it's like, well, that's after the fact. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's great. I can appreciate spirits like that that kind of just you know. Well, we like give to play. Crap and, we like yeah. to play pranks exactly. too. So exactly. why wouldn't they? Exactly. It's it's fun. It adds a different layer to this whole, you know, paranormal stuff. So yeah, yeah, and it shows that everything's not all serious. Mm-hmm. There is some enjoyment and fun that you can have with it. Yeah, you know, and that and that makes it nice. So let's move on to our our new segment. Okay. Called Ask an Investigator. All right. So we pulled Twitter and Facebook to get answer or questions that we can answer. And you guys failed us. <laughs> yeah, what is up with that, guys? Come Rude. on. <laughs> you broke our little hearts. You did. And so we had to find our own questions to ask ourselves. <laughs> So just so you guys know that, you know, when we come to record, we're going to, we're going to put up a, a question on Twitter and, and on Facebook. And it's, it's your guys's chance to ask us any question that you want to know from a paranormal investigator. You know, it can be as, I don't know, wild and crazy as you can think of as long as it's appropriate, we will answer the question. Mm-hmm. So it can be even as much as what do you not eat before a paranormal investigation, and the answer <laughs> oyster should, soup. Yes, <laughs> always oyster soup. Always don't oyster do soup. it. Don't do it, especially when you're not even by the coast. Yeah, yeah when you're in Montana, <laughs> don't, don't eat, eat oyster soup. And you think I would learn <laughs> or taco soup <laughs> <laughs> or Subway or Subway. <laughs> Subway was almost the worst, <laughs> although it was pretty funny. Yeah, that's for our blooper reel, though. All right, so first question. What makes something paranormal? Thanks for looking at me, guys. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're on. <laughs> so something that is, I would say is qualifies that paranormal is something that is not normal. Something that is out of the realm of normalcy. Something that you can't explain. Um, something that you try to debunk, but you can't. Um, like how they say UFOs because you can't identify them. There's, there's no way to do that. So that would be paranormal or you walk into your kitchen and all of a sudden all of your doors and your cupboards are open. Paranormal. (laughs) You know, anything that you cannot explain away that in, in something that you can't debunk something not normal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and and that's really what we we search for, right? That's and that's why we try to debunk everything, including, you know, photo evidence and and voices and stuff like that. And that's we try to figure out what, you know, is it explainable? Is it really just someone's stomach growling? That's or someone, can we recreate it? Was that Subway? Yeah, was that really Subway? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's and, a big yes. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, it's I mean, it's those things, right? And I think that's what us, us as investigators want to do is try to explain the paranormal. We are trying to figure it out. Yeah. That's our goal. Which 
I think if you take all of the knowledge of every paranormal investigator and put it into a giant pool, you got like 10% of the actual understanding of anything paranormal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much we don't know. Yeah. But we're all looking for those answers. And it's just fun. It's fun. It is fun. Yeah. So how can, you know, the, the question is kind of worded a little rough, but it's like, how can you sense the paranormal? It's any, it's like we said, your body is your best tool, mm -hmm. your best instrument. And it can feel anything from like the hair sending up the back of your neck. Uh, you feel like you're being watched. And I think that's the most that what people experience is they feel like they're being watched. Yeah, that's the very common one. And that, that one can be debunked in cases too. It can. Right. You, you yes. know, um, if you have high EMF from electrical lines, whatnot, um, it, it can cause uh, those feelings of being watched and hair standing up. It can cause headaches. It can cause hallucinations. 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 It can cause all those things. So you have to kind of go through and by a process of uh, elimination, kind of rule some of those things out first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's also like... You know, when we've been investigating, right, you can feel an energy shift in the room where all of a sudden now the room is dark and heavy yes. and yes. has this different feeling. And it's hard to just, you know, well, to quantify that. Well, and it's also, and I am sure a lot of you people have experienced this, is where you're hanging out with your friends and all of a sudden your friend seems different. You don't know why your friend seems different, but you can tell there's something different. And you go up to them, you're like, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You seem different. It's because you feel it. You feel the energy shift. You feel what you're feeling is the energy shift from what the energy that they're giving off. Yeah. And we all have energy and we all give off energy. And um, so when that shifts and changes, you feel that because you are used to what that energy feels like. You You know what your friend's energy feels like, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. And or your spouse or, you know, significant loved one. And so when that changes, when something big happens in their life and or whatever, and they their mood changes and you can feel it, that's pretty much what we feel. And not all of us, not all investigators feel it. Um, I feel it. And I know some of the rest of us feel it. Um, but the room changes. and. It's like, oh, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. And you can tell if it feels good or bad, mm -hmm. you know? And generally when, when it switches, it's not good. Generally not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. When it switches, when, when you feel that shift in energy, that's a good indicator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to quantify it, right? How to hard to explain it because it's like it's it's your body reacting to environmental changes. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, your hair stands up on end because you, you could be feeling the the change in elect you know electricity with the electromagnetic field changing, or you could be feeling a cold shift. You know, your body reacts differently. Yeah, like uh, if there's pressure in the air, my nose hurts. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, my body sensed that there was a change. My joints are aching. There's a storm coming. <laughs> right. <I know. laughs> 
But I mean, and that's the thing is like we have these devices, one's called an EDI, and it measures all of those things, temperature, barometric pressure, uh, EMF, and all of these things because the the theory behind uh, some of this stuff is that spirits are able to manipulate the actual environment, change the barometric pressure, change the EMF and the, and the ambient EMF mm-hmm. and those things. How? That's a very good question. But somehow, and not all of them do. Right. I would say most of them don't really try to, but you'll get the occasional one where they, you ask them to do something and they do it and they prove it to you that they can do it and they'll do it again and again. And it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And it's those moments that you're like, this is legit. Yeah. yeah. Like there is no rhyme or reason for this to happen naturally. None. And it's not happening anywhere else. It's only happening right here. And while I'm asking it to. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's like, always. Cat meow. Yeah. There he goes. Stay, there he did. Perfect. <laughs> So, you know, we just want to thank everybody for hanging out and listening to us go on and on about our fun adventures in the cement factory. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you guys want to hear, you know, the EVPs that we've got or see the video of uh, us being uh, cursed at, <laughs> <laughs> where can they find us? Uh, well, on Facebook, you can find us at Paranormal Peace Podcast or at Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And on Instagram, Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research. And on Twitter at CPR Paranormal. And as always, stay ghosty, my peeps. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Peeps Podcast. You can find us on social media at Twitter at CPR Paranormal, on Facebook at Paranormal Peeps Podcast, and Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And you can find us on Instagram at Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research.